0: This episode of The Real Health Podcast is brought to you by Vitable. Taking the guesswork out of vitamins. Personalised vitamins, premium quality, all delivered to your door. Use code CAPITAL VIT30
1: for 30% off your first order.
0: Always read the label, follow the directions for use. If symptoms persist, talk to your healthcare professional. Vitamin supplements should not replace a balanced diet. It's
1: all about taking radical responsibility for ourselves and our lives as well. Changing the the dialogue from I have to do it to I choose to do it. A lot of things in life are a choice and we do have control over them. Technically speaking, you don't have to be a student, you choose to be a student. And I think that gives us back the power when it comes to stress management.
0: Hello guys, welcome back to The Real Health Podcast. This is an interview episode with Madison Dong, holistic hormone coach. I absolutely loved this chat with Maddie. She dives into relationship with food, which you know that I love as well. We go through stress management, her skin journey, and how she went back to her basics to heal herself using integrative medicine methods. We also do a little rapid fire at the end for what you need to know about hormones. I absolutely loved this episode and I know you guys are going to love it too. Without further ado, here is my interview episode with Madison Dot. Mads, welcome to the Real Health Podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you. So I want to dive
0: into so much. I think we're very similar in the things that we like talking about. So this is going to be a lot of fun. But as you know, the first question I ask every guest is what does real health mean to you?
1: Real health to me is pretty much about effortless, effortless. (laughs) Um, so basically like if you have a good relationship with food if you have a good relationship with your body if you are genuinely you know doing the right things to manage your stress then your day you should pretty much just you know float through the day in terms of health obviously things always come up out of our control and then we deal with those and we manage them but in terms of like real health I think that It's all about getting to a place where it's kind of like intuitive eating. It's just intuitive. And when you say like good relationship with food, let's, I feel like we should unpack that a
0: little bit more. It's something that I always refer to. Then some people are like, what do you mean? Like in terms of relationship with food, like what relationship, I don't have a relationship with food. Can you talk a little bit about that? And maybe like with your clients, what are some common barriers in terms of really taking that apart and constructing a really positive relationship with food?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I work with clients who have a huge range of um, health conditions and symptoms that they want to really break down and learn the foundations of food from scratch, because I guess it's something that we're not really taught in school unless we go on to get a health science degree. We're very rarely taught about food. Um, And so I really like to come from a place of focusing on what can we eat and what should we eat to nourish our bodies rather than focusing on restriction and what can't we eat. And I think when people are losing weight, but even when people are trying to cure or not cure, but like, you know, clear their skin, like their acne, they go on the internet and it's like don't eat this, don't eat that, don't, I've seen like, don't eat capsicum, don't eat eggs, don't eat like everything under the sun. And then people are left feeling really overwhelmed and like, well, what can I eat? So healthy, I really try and get my clients to think about food as what's going to really nourish my body and fuel it with, you know, really clean, food as such like clean nutrients as opposed to um what's not and you know we're allowed the sometimes foods every now and again it's like it's good to have a good balance um but i think when like the fact that i don't eat much of those sometimes foods it's not because i'm like depriving myself and i don't feel deprived at all it's because i just genuinely love how i feel when i eat good foods.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you think a lot of the time, perhaps shifting that focus onto the feeling that you feel from food instead of focusing on like whether it's good or whether it's
1: bad? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, I mean, that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways as well. People can be like, I feel so good when I eat chocolate, but really if you were eating well, I don't even know. Some people surprise me on in their amount um, or how much chocolate they can tolerate. But, you know, if you're eating like a block of Cadbury every single day, do you really think that you're going to feel your best? Like, yes, you might eat a little bit of chocolate and feel great afterwards, but it's more about focusing on those food. I like to say to my clients, it's the foods where you eat them and you feel like you could go to the park, play with kids, play with your dog, go for a run, or just like, you know, jump up off the couch, not the kind of foods that keep you on the couch. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that when we're talking about feeling from food, it's almost sort of different when we're thinking about like how we feel mentally versus how we feel physically. I think that when we have, let's say, chocolate, like it might, you know, mentally, like it tastes really good and we've associated that comfort with it. So of course that's gonna make us feel good, but then that's often, yeah. you know, when we do overconsume consume that, that's often accompanied by guilt. So it's really interesting because I was thinking, you know, physically feeling, and then I was like, oh wait, yeah, emotionally feeling as well, you know. Interpreted interpret it in different ways so I think it's like you know you can have those soul foods in amounts that still make you feel good mentally but also physically and I think there's a fine line there where you you know, you know like the first two bites of chocolate taste the exact same as the 11th and the 12th But a lot of the time we go that like too far like more than we actually need and it's like, okay, why am I doing that and uncovering that? But then also that physical feeling, like I know a little bit of chocolate, I'm absolutely like a-okay, Cadbury jerry milk chocolate is my favorite. But if I have a lot, a lot, a lot, I'm not going to feel good mentally and I'm not going to feel good physically. So I guess it's about learning what's right and your own boundaries and being real with yourself, being like, okay, do I actually, am I eating this? or like because I want it or because I'm hungry and just
1: knowing that because it's okay if you're not hungry but I think that self-awareness is key too yeah and I think like you know it's important not to think that oh I I can't eat chocolate ever because sometimes we just Mm -hmm. need our comfort food but I think I work with a lot of clients as well who um, you know have had that tricky relationship with food or have had eating disorders in the past or do have a tendency to do the whole binge eating cycle and I just say to them, you know, you've got, to, you've got to come from a place of self-compassion and you don't want to ban yourself from any foods because yeah. we often want what we can't have. And if we tell ourselves that we can never have chocolate because we're eating healthy or we're on a diet, that's only going to want to um, make us want it more. And then you're just going to get in a constant cycle where you, you're feeling so restrictive. You are resenting what you are eating. And then that's when the binge comes. Whereas if you are just self-compassionate, if you need two squares of chocolate like like you said often if you just have two squares your craving goes away like sometimes mm-hmm. the best way to beat a craving with moderation as well like all of this can be interpreted to quite extremes but sometimes the best yeah. way to deal with a craving is just to have a little taste and then your body's like oh okay cool thanks and then move on because you allowed yourself to have that even if it was a little taste
0: yeah I find a lot of the time clients I speak to they end up going on that hunger chase of like or that craving chase where they want that chocolate and if they'd had that at the side it would have been fine but they're going through all yep. these different foods trying to hit that feeling and realistically you're probably not going to hit it any other way and just like you would eat way less calories like if that's what it's about you would eat way less calories if you just had the two squares of chocolate before <laughs> you rummage through all of yep. the like the health food chocolate that necessarily isn't gonna maybe for you hit that craving yeah and then people end up eating the the
1: Cadbury chocolate after all the health food chocolate anyway
0: yeah yeah exactly at the end yeah I know I know we need to stop kidding ourselves sometimes
1: <laughs> yeah and I think the same goes for exercise as well like having a healthy relationship with your body and with exercise means genuinely craving exercise and if you don't mm-hmm. like genuinely crave exercise then that's okay like maybe you need to take a step back and give yourself a break and just have baby steps you know go for walks like don't think oh everybody else is doing hit classes two or three times a week. I need to do a hit class two two or three times a week. Like if that's not what your body craves then maybe I love that you're doing is it move your way may? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just find different ways to move your body. Like I think we often have this really strict definition of what exercise is and what it isn't but even if you have a pet or if you have kids go to the park run around play with them like that is exercise i even consider shopping exercise because you're like often walking around on your feet for three hours so maybe you should put shopping into your move your way may that's such a good idea
0: oh my god um and yeah for those listening that's something i've done like just to to be a bit more creative and help people realize that it's not necessarily like one form of movement but i love that you brought that up because yeah obviously that's very close to my heart as a trainer as well we have so much in common which is why we jump straight into it but i need to backtrack a little bit because i want to know well i want the listeners to know a little bit more about you but first let's do the real (laughs) recap so how has your last seven days been seven days
1: um what day is it today (laughs) it's friday um yeah my last seven days has been good 2021 has actually been harder for me than 2020 was been a lot going on and I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit of that in a second but Mm -hmm. I think now I'm starting to feel more myself again and I'm getting back on track and um and when we say getting back on track like I always maintain that you know those good relationships we're talking about and that holistic health but I mean life sometimes throws us curveballs and it's how we deal with it and we have to self-compassion is what I always come back to with my clients so I'm just I've just been giving myself lots of self-compassion and in the last seven days I've felt so much better like you know my motivation has like come back I think yesterday I made like 40 reels or something ridiculous I was just on a roll so it's been really good to go with my body and listen to it and if I'm not feeling motivated I'd give myself rest and if I am feeling motivated then i go for gold <laughs> yeah that's so good and that's so important I'm
0: so like that as well and sometimes because it's hard I love batch creating stuff too because it's so dependent like doing a reel or talking your stories like not that I batch create talking my stories but doing that kind of thing and being present on socials which is obviously what we try to do it's so dependent on your mood like if you don't feel good then you'll make a reel and you'll look yeah. so grumpy and it's like ah. Oh. so it's so good we can actually like get on a roll and also think like creatively like it's a
1: lot of energy into just one reel so I can't believe you smashed out 40 that's amazing (laughs) I think that's an exaggeration but it was like I think I had 10 planned to do and I just didn't stop it just kept on going and I was like what is happening but I'm gonna embrace it (laughs) yeah I love that
0: I love that okay so I want you to just in like, let's say you go into an elevator, right? Press the button and your person's going to the same floor as you. And they're like, hey, who are you? What do you do? What's your elevator
1: pitch? That's so funny because I feel like when you phrase it like that, if you just asked me like, who am I and what do I do? Obviously I'd go <laughs> real deep. I essentially got into what I'm doing now um, because I started struggling with my own health and my family started struggling with their health as well. And I am a biology teacher. Um, so right from the start, I was a biology teacher out of uni. And so I kind of used my love for science and I was, you know, doing all the scientific journal articles and looking for answers there rather than just like your general Googling your symptoms and actually finding a lot of um, answers. And so that's kind of when I started my YouTube channel and started to share the scientific evidence that Like wasn't necessarily shared with the public Um, and yeah that's kind of what has just led me to my passion for health as well so now I'm blending my health and science passions together and I just I've always been creative when I was a kid and I think when I was a biology teacher um, and I was also like a high school math teacher as well I was very logical and structural and I'm very masculine in the way that I do things so it's been really nice to bring back the creativity of my childhood as well and kind of work for myself and be, try and be more in flow as as well. So I don't, I don't know if that's what I would tell someone in the elevator or if that's what you were asking, but that's kind of like, yeah a bit about me yeah you in a nutshell no I love that I love that your your background is
0: biology teaching biology was my favorite subject in high school and I wasn't originally going to go on to study like science further which I did because I did my bachelor of human nutrition which the first year was just all like the general health science you do all the molecular biology and I absolutely loved it and I think that like what I love about you as well is because sometimes we get put in like different camps like if you do like science and chemistry and biology it's like okay you're you're like a thinker And then you have to be, you know, in drama and stuff to be creative. And I really like that now with social media and the way that people market their businesses. And, you know, we both have podcasts. It's like we're so able to tap into both sides of that, which I really like. And I feel like, you know, perhaps 10, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have had that opportunity so much. So, yeah, I really like that. I want to dive into something that you've been talking a lot lately. And you mentioned it right at the start with your definition of real health, which is stress. And as I said before, we hit record you know stress is talked about a lot but not in a, not in a really productive way because we're, we're told yes stress is bad and that's kind of where the buck stops and we're like okay well I understand that stress is bad but I work two yeah. jobs and I do this and I do that and I do that and I can't not do that so how do I handle stress and how do I mitigate it instead of saying just don't stress
1: I think that you're exactly right like when people say oh you need to you know mind your stress. People go, I don't have a choice. You know, I have to work these two jobs. I, I have to raise a family. I have to do all of this. I have to be a student. Obviously those things are getting the, the people to where they want to be. So I'm not saying don't do those things, but it's all about taking like radical responsibility for ourselves and our lives as well. Changing the the dialogue from I have to do it to I choose do it a lot of things in life are a choice and we do have control over them technically speaking you don't have to be a student you choose to be a student and i think that gives us back the power when it comes to stress management um but yeah stress a lot of people they think that stress is all in their head or they just go yeah i know I'm, i'm feeling overwhelmed but um some people think of stress more as like a feeling rather than actually a physical state um, so what stress actually is, is it is the fight or flight response. So um, and that's like the survival response. If we're really going deep into biology and taking it back to, you know, the caveman times is stress is when we're under pressure or when we fear a threat of something. So, for example, if you have an assignment due You may feel stressed because the consequence of not getting that assignment in might be that you fail the subject, might be that then you need to repeat, might be, you know, there's lots of consequences that come from that. Um, And then obviously not being able to provide for your family, um, that can obviously put a lot of pressure on needing to work those two jobs and obviously within the jobs if you don't meet the time frame you might lose the job so we're constantly surrounded by situations where there are consequences and when we take on too many of those it it can cause us a lot of stress but the thing is that when we're in that fight-or-flight state it's not all in our heads it actually produces a hormone called cortisol which People may or may not have heard of. If they have heard of it, they may not know what it actually does in the body. But cortisol is, our body doesn't know the difference between if we are running away from a lion back in caveman days versus if we've are if we got a bill in the mail or an assignment due. Our body doesn't know the difference. So our cortisol levels are going to peak and they're going to cause us physical changes as if we were about to get you know chased by a lion um and so these changes can even happen right in the moment within seconds um of someone who all of a sudden has to do public speaking if they don't like public speaking you can be sitting in a crowd and then if some someone like springs it on you like you know ask us a question or tell us something and all of a sudden your body just goes like frozen and just like freaks out your heart starts pumping faster and all these changes can happen within seconds but what happens is that Obviously, when we don't do anything about our stress and we just go, we don't have a choice, this is just life, it becomes chronic stress. So chronic stress is when it's long term and that's when we start to see health complications um, because of the changes that are going on in our body. If you want me to dive into that, I don't know. (laughs)
0: I really would like you to highlight I guess some of the structures and methods that you put in place for yourself you have a busy schedule and then obviously a lot of your clients I'm assuming they deal with this as well so how do we you know take that information we know that it's not good we know now like what's happening within our body but then how do we sort of get rid of that because obviously some stress is okay and that's some stress is actually like good for us and that's what it's intended but not like we weren't meant to be you know running away from a line yep. 24-7, which is the re- reality for a lot of us. So how do we manage it?
1: Yeah, so in order to manage it, it's it's a lot of the tips that people have often heard before, but people just don't. Um, action them. So, for example, um, something that I've implemented more this year and really made an effort to do it more often is like meditation and journaling. And I did do it like last year and a little bit the year before, but this year I'm really trying to make it more of my morning routine, um, which can be hard if you know people have really busy morning routines. You might want to make it part of your wind down um, routine, so you might listen to like a sleep meditation before bed, um, but Essentially, one of the organ changes in the fight or flight response is that, like I said, it increases your heart rate, and so that's so that um, it can pump blood around to the cells faster because the blood carries our oxygen, and we need oxygen to make energy. So that's like it all has purpose. It's not just like your heart rate increases because you're nervous or you're scared; the heart rate increases because you're nervous and you're scared and it wants to get oxygen to make more energy so you can run away. So it's all kind of linked. Um, And same with the breathing. Obviously, your breathing gets faster and shorter um, and that is so that you can, you know, get in lots of oxygen fast as well, deliver it to the blood and pump it to the cells. So um, they're just two examples of organ changes that happen when you're stressed. But the whole idea of even just breathing exercises, which go hand in hand with meditation, is that you are forcefully slowing down your breath and slowing down your heart rate. So you're almost like manually changing the speed settings um, of your organs, I guess. And so when you do like your box breaths, even just like four slow breaths in, hold for four, and then four slow breaths out and then hold for four, um, you're actually going, well, hold on, let's take this body off automatic and let's very consciously change the speed of the breath so that we can take... um, it out of fight or flight mode.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think it's super helpful. Like you said, we hear this stuff all the time and then we don't action it. And like you've said, you know, this year has been a year that you've really been implementing it. So I guess what was the, what was the switch that flicked for you to really be diligent about that this year?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I had a, something in my morning routine that I was trying out. It was like a health trend that I'll get into in like a YouTube video, because it's like a whole story. But basically, I had a health trend that I was just sampling and trying out, and it wasn't serving me. And so I decided to stop that. And it's funny, because in my morning routine, in order to try out that health trend, I had to make time for it. And I did, because there were obviously mixed reviews. Um, And so I tried it out. And then when I decided that that wasn't serving me, and I was going to stop doing that, I go, well, hold on. I was able to carve this time out for this new trend. Why have I always said when it comes to meditation and journaling that I don't have time? Like that honestly does not make sense. And I just called myself out on it and I said, you know what, I'm going to swap that time now and I'm going to take the time that I was using for this fad and I'm now going to – like you know sit down and I've created like a whole space for myself I now I have like a floor cushion and I put it out on my balcony and um, now that it's getting a bit colder I have like my blankets and I've got my I bring my journal out with me even though I may not necessarily have time to journal I bring it out with me in case I feel called to like it's that whole um, being intuitive and having self-compassion it's not like forcing myself to follow set rules I have to meditate and then I have to journal it's like hold on let's just bring it back to basics, all I need to do for 10 minutes is go and sit out on my cushion, look out over my balcony and just breathe. And if that's the bare minimum that gets done in those 10 minutes, great. But once I'm sitting out there, I'm like, well, I'm already here. I feel like listening to a guided meditation. And then you listen to the guided meditation and then you get like, you're like, oh, something popped into my head. I need to write it down. So now all of a sudden you're writing in your journal and it's just one thing leads to another. But it's kind of like, um, I guess, exercise and going to gym in the morning if you lay your clothes out in the morning you're probably uh, in the night before you're probably more likely to just jump up and get it done rather because that first step is already decided for you
0: yeah exactly and setting yourself up for success and I think Glennon Doyle in her book I've been listening to the audio book um and she said she talks about how she integrated like 10 minutes a day of just being still um, and taking time for herself and she said that at the beginning it was so difficult and she would look at her phone and stuff and she was like no like I need to like 10 minutes is not too much time out of 24 hours to be still you know when you really think about it we're never still we're never quiet and we're never just you know letting our minds relax so I think that it's so important to prioritize but I do understand like this year was meant to be my year that I meditated every day. And I think I kind of like, that's probably an unrealistic expectation because as soon as you miss a day, you're like, well, it's all gone. Um, but I notice 100% like how much better I feel when
1: I do it. So maybe, maybe I need to start getting back into it. This can be my motivation. <laughs> well, just think of like, think of meditation and that um, habit and trying to form that habit like food, like you wouldn't say to your clients like oh yeah you're right you've eaten pretty bad the last two days it's probably no point eating Mm. good today like you wouldn't say that it's (laughs) always like you always just think of the present and like onwards and upwards kind of thing you you don't hold on to that guilt of not having done it in the past and so like yeah I just always come back to that self-compassion with my clients and say look I didn't get a chance to meditate this morning. You know, I was busy. I actually didn't even get a chance to meditate yesterday morning because, you know, lots of things were happening. But that's totally fine. If I meditate tomorrow, that's just as good. You know, like it's more of a a bonus to just fill up my cup when I can. Um, and if I can fill up my cup every single day, then that's only going to help me more. But if I, if life gets in the way and I don't get to, then it's not the end of the world. You just try again tomorrow. And that kind of goes with everything as well. Like Obviously, you do still want to have that discipline and hold yourself accountable, but you need to have a, a strong why. Why are you trying to hold yourself accountable? Are you doing it because it's Instagram worthy to be able to say, oh, I meditated every day this week. Like, are you doing it because you wanna be able to say that you've done it or are you doing it because you genuinely think that and know that when you have meditated in the past, you've gone into your day so much clearer. You know, like I've noticed, you listen to all the podcasts of with successful people and they're like, what's your secret? And they're like, I meditate. And then you're like, oh, seriously, like another one that just says I need to meditate and then everything will fall into place. But um, yeah, I have really noticed since I've been doing it more, this year that the days that i do meditate and journal and write down what i want from life and how i'm feeling i just i go into the day more productive more motivated and more clear even if that's not what i sat down with the intention to do
0: After the break, Maddie is going to chat a little bit about her skin journey and her top three things that she thinks we all need to know about our hormones. But first, a word from our sponsor, Vitable. So you guys have heard me speak about Vitable on the podcast and also on my Instagram. I'm absolutely in love with this product. So you've heard me speak about before the fact that we don't all need the same vitamin. All of our bodies are so different. And this is why I love Vitable, because it's tailored and personalized to you. You jump online, you take the quiz, and then they recommend, based on your answers, what vitamins would be great for you. So, so simple. Once you've done that, you click order. It'll rock up at your door so these are quality vitamins Australian products tailored to you and they get sent to your door which I think is pretty cool so I think the thing I like about it the most is that these come in little sachets for each day so you're not going through a bunch of different bottles and I think that was a massive barrier for me actually being diligent about taking my vitamins I would always forget they'd be in different places and I'd take some not others or sometimes I just wouldn't take any at all the sachets are also compostable which I think is really great and eco-friendly you're also saving a bunch of those little bottles because all of these high quality vitamins are in that one little sachet I think this is such an amazing product and service so if you would like to find out what vitamins are personalized to you jump online there's a link in the show notes here to take the quiz and make sure you use the code capital v-i-t-30 for 30% off your first order always read the label follow the directions for use if symptoms persist talk to your healthcare professional vitamin supplements should not replace a balanced diet thank you to Vitable for sponsoring this episode let's get back into this chat I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the, you like your skin journey recently. So I in the past have had like really problematic skin, but I know that this was like a really bizarre. I mean, have you heard this happening to other people? Because I haven't. Can you chat about it?
1: No, I've literally never. So basically, for context for the audience, um, I. One of the um, conditions that kind of inspired the start of my YouTube channel and all that kind of thing of what I was struggling with personally, obviously my family were struggling with different things. But um, back in 2019, I um, wanted to get off antibiotics for my skin and also wanted to transition off the contraceptive pill um, because... I was just getting nowhere. Like I'd been on antibiotics for a year and a half for my skin. And from a biologist's point of view, I totally understood the concept of bacterial resistance. I knew that it was very damaging to be on antibiotics for that long. And um, my doctor at the time was pretty much just saying that I could stay on antibiotics so long as, you know, nothing bad was happening and that kind of didn't sit right with me because i was like no it's it's not good enough to wait and be reactive when something goes wrong like it's better to be proactive and look after your body not just like you know wait till shit hits the fan but um so that's kind of my journey and then from all of that i ended up getting severe cystic acne because once you go off antibiotics and the contraceptive pill your body is then trying to balance and work itself out. And so then this year, so I have, you know, spent the whole first part of my business and this new career um, helping others with their skin as well, because I did find very unique answers through the scientific journal articles that, you know, I just weren't, I wasn't finding on the internet elsewhere. Um, And I think that's why a lot of people do suffer with acne for so long, because their options are really only antibiotics, the pill or google um and i've seen some weird stuff on google like i even saw on in a acne facebook group that some people were putting their own urine on their face like i just I just, I i don't i don't know so there's so many trends out there for skin um i can tell you that that's not like there's no scientific evidence for that please do not put urine on your face guys then this year i my scrunchie essentially leaked when I went to bed with wet hair and had it up in a bun and it caused a rare skin condition, um, that I didn't recognize my doctors didn't recognize the first doctor that I went to said it was acne. And I was like, no way. Like I, I have been helping other people with their acne and I've been helping myself with my own acne and whatnot for years. Um, I know that this is not acne. Um, And then another doctor thought that it was psoriasis. And then my family, because it was like it became black and scabby and it was just (laughs) awful. Um, And then we thought maybe it was like a staph infection or something along those lines. Um, So I actually had to end up going to a dermatologist um, and he prescribed to me with pyoderma fasciale. And, I, you know, when I looked it up and did more research on it, I was like, 100 yes this is the skin condition that i have i'd never heard of it before um it was just like so much worse than acne and i didn't even think that things could get worse like back from when i was struggling with severe cystic acne um so yeah that's kind of what happened and that was just on my chin um and so i pretty much spent the whole first part of um like first couple of months of 2021 self-isolating whenever i went out to get groceries i um had to, I just wore one of those um, masks over my face, so luckily it was on my chin. I could just easily wear like a um, COVID mask over my my chin, and then no one would even know. But um, yeah, it, it was a lot. Can you talk about the process of how you sort of just went back to your own basics to really heal that issue? This is also where I talk about the difference between modern medicine, which is obviously all your pharmaceuticals, and then you've got natural medicine, which is more of your herbs and your lifestyle intervention. Um, but then you've also got like a middle ground, which is integrative medicine. And like integrative medicine is kind of like the best of both worlds. It's it's understanding that, yes, modern medicine and technologies that we've developed are incredible and they do help us when it gets to, you know, really life dependent situations like in the emergency room you wouldn't just like go into the emergency room and be like oh you're you're completely bleeding out on this bed let me just give you a bit of lavender or something Um, not that lavender is the right herb for that but you know like we definitely do have really powerful interventions which is incredible but going back on what i was saying before is that modern medicine is very reactive it's it's very like let's wait until you get sick and then let's try and deal with it then whereas natural medicine is more proactive and it's like okay well how can we actually make sure that your body is is running like healthy so that you those issues don't come up in the future or if they do you can bounce back whereas like integrative medicine is basically like if you were to go to a naturopath for like something quite serious that was out of their scope maybe they could help you with like the stress management and they can give you some herbs to assist you but really you need like a a heavier intervention then it's about referring it's like any um health practitioner like when something's out of your scope you need to know when you need to refer on um and i mean the line of that can be is very blurry you know of what you can you like what you should use natural medicine for, what you should then rely on modern medicine for. Um, definitely, you know, in the emergency room, if you're bleeding out, you kind of want to go more to the modern medicine. But um, basically because we didn't know what it was that I had and it could have been a staph infection and if staph gets into the blood, it can be very serious. It can be like quite life-threatening. Um, and also it was, yeah, it was just a lot of the unknown. I did actually, um, I had... So the three different, the two doctors in the derm that I saw, they each prescribed to me a different antibiotic. Um, and at one stage, like the second doctor told me to take the antibiotic that he wanted me to take at the same time that I was also taking the antibiotic that the first doctor wanted me to take. So it was like, I was just getting all these antibiotics thrown at me. Um, and it was very much a conflict of interest because I, when it, ta- when it comes to acne, at least, I know from personal experience that if you take an antibiotic, it just covers up the symptoms. And then when you go off that antibiotic, you're forced to then deal with the symptoms and the gut health. So it's better to get to the root cause. Um, but, yeah, it was just so hard to work out what I was going to do in this scenario. I decided that because we didn't know the consequences of this condition, we didn't know if it was a staph infection, it definitely looked infected, Um and yeah, I also know how to best support my gut health as well. Um, I decided to take the, the antibiotics and um, do that whilst also doing my own lifestyle interventions and upping my probiotics and really trying to support my gut health as much as possible. Um, in terms of how I actually ended up clearing my like skin condition, so now it's just scarring. It still kind of looks like it's there, but it's just the scarring. Um, and How I ended up kind of doing that in three months, essentially, was I did take the antibiotics for maybe the first month and a half, two months, I think it was. Um, But even my dermatologist, um, once we kind of did all the testing a month down the track and the dermatologist took another swab swab as well, we confirmed that it wasn't bacterial, it wasn't an infection. He pretty much said to me, you're taking these antibiotics to help with the inflammation, like not even because it's bacterial. Like you're not even taking the antibiotics for what antibiotics are designed for. You're taking it for the inflammation. And when he said that to me, I was like, that's stupid, but also I've never seen this before. So I'm just going to take them anyway and listen to you. Um, but he wanted to put me on like other stuff like Roaccutane and whatnot as well. So I did like, there was a line that I drew in what I was willing to do and what I wasn't. And if people like take Roaccutane, that's their choice either, like no shaming that. But um, so what I ended up doing is I did stop the antibiotics after um, a while and I transitioned to really strong gut health replenishment. Um, and then I also managed my stress, which seems, again, like so surface level, but it just made such a huge difference in, in my healing. Um, and that's when I really kind of said, nope, you know what, I'm going to be strict on this meditation and journaling every morning. And I I would have for at least a couple months or maybe like a month or like so done it for maybe five days of the week. Like I was really good on that habit. Um, and now I only do it like a couple times a week more if I can, you know, it's that self-compassion. But also my business kind of shifted in that I was being less masculine in my business and more feminine. So I was not getting so hard on myself if I didn't tick all of my to-do list off um, and just really listening to what my body needs and um, leaning into The motivation and what I felt like doing obviously there's tasks that like accounting that you never kind of feel like doing but it's really yeah listening to when to do those things and kind of personalize and customize my business to help my cortisol levels and my stress management and all of that
0: Mm. that seems like such a journey (laughs) I'll, I'll link I'll link the YouTube below so then people can go and like like this is a tidbit and then they'll go and watch it
1: yeah It's got like a whole timeline of photos too. So they'll understand what I was going through. It changed the whole structure of my jaw. Like my whole jaw swelled up.
0: It looked so painful as well. Like as someone who has had, you know, acne, that's painful enough. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, that would have been the worst. I felt so bad and could definitely sympathize with that.
1: (laughs) And when it like started to clear up, I was like, I said to mum one day on the phone, I was like, yes, it just looks like I have acne now. And I never thought that I would say that, like, acne was the better alternative. So, yeah, it was a journey for sure.
0: Yeah, all about perspective, I think. But um, (laughs) I think it's important, too, just to, like, be so kind with yourself in those moments. I know that um, for me, I think the biggest impact from my acne was, like, the emotional side of it because you're so upset by – I guess, like, it's your your appearance. And I know, like, because I was in nutrition, like, I knew, okay, obviously something's not right, and that was upsetting, but really awful to sort of be, like, have this thing, like, right in your face. And I remember, and obviously now, like, I wouldn't wish this on myself, like, touching wood, but, like, I was like, why can't I have something, like, condition that you can't see like why can't i have something really bad instead of this because i hate this like so yeah i just want to shout out people who are struggling um with like even if it is acne or like a different condition i just hope you're being kind with yourself because it's such a crazy annoying thing but i also like how you spoke about you know there was integration of you know natural medicine and then like modern medicine i think it is important to just yeah outline like you said Every single person just does the best that they can at that time. And we don't know what we don't know. Had it been a staph infection and you were just like, no, 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 I'm not going to do anything. It could have been really serious. So I always like when we have these talks about, you know, talking about like holistic nutrition and everything that we also talk about. Okay. Yeah. But there is a line and we do need to consult other professionals as well.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. It's all about like, and that's kind of where I come from with my channel and with everything that I do online is that, I don't come from a place of telling people you should do this, you shouldn't do that. Like obviously I do say like you should eat healthy and you should have a good relationship with food and that kind of basic stuff. But when it comes to big decisions, I'm only here to help people make educated choices and educated decisions. Like that's the teacher in me at my core. So like I just want to give you all of the evidence. I just want to give you that, like, you know, all the education, um, and then you can make your own decision on where you go from there. Because essentially, like we all, we all have a choice. Like, even with the antibiotics, it may have felt like I didn't have a choice, but I did have a choice. I could have not taken them. And I chose to take them. And the fact that I could get on my YouTube channel and be like, sorry guys, I took antibiotics. I didn't have a choice. But that's not who I am. And that's not what I try and, you know, help other people is like, like, just take responsibility for your life and your choices. Like I I chose to take antibiotics. That's what I did. So I think that that's a really important distinction as well and just being educated.
0: Yeah, completely. And it's a lot more empowering when you do realise that you made that decision rather than being like, I
1: had to do this or I had to do that. Like you're taking your own power away doing that. And even if it was a mistake, like you chose it, we're human, we make mistakes, you learn from them, Mm -hmm. like whatever.
0: And at that point, that was your decision and that's what you thought was best. Or maybe like at the time, I don't know, I don't know what decisions we're talking about here. Maybe you knew it wasn't (laughs) a decision, but you
1: still made it and you have to own up. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's really important as well.
0: Um,
1: And that's something that I've been working on, like in my personal development journey as well, in different areas of my life, as well as health. Um, Like even just in relationships is like not holding shame around past decisions that you've made. Like as long as you're a good person and you have good intentions, I'm sure that you were, like you said, just doing what you thought was best at the time. Um, and that's all you can ever ask for is like just good intentions. And then obviously you can't expect yourself to, to know the lessons and have the wisdom before you've even gone through like, you know, the, the lessons themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Um,
0: I feel like we could talk about this all day, but I do, I want to, I want to wrap it up here with a little bit of rapid fire. So hormones is my jam. I know it's your jam as well. And I know you're really passionate about education and, you know, it's no secret that in Australia anyway, our sex ed classes and learning about, you know, women's health in particular isn't the greatest in schools. So can you give me top three I know it's gonna be hard top three things that girls and women should know in school
1: but they don't about their hormones the first thing that comes to mind is that hormones are powerful hormones are all throughout your body it's not just your reproductive system so you have a sleep hormone that decides when you're tired you have hunger hormones that tell you when you're hungry like your belly doesn't rumble because you decide it's going to rumble and you're hungry like you actually have hormones to signal that to you so all of your reproductive yeah. hormone, like cortisol like the stress hormone we've just talked about and then you've got all your like reproductive hormones as well so they are very very important they each play such vital roles in our health um, and so it is important to be in tune with that um, and again like if people choose to take the contraceptive pill or not or different hormonal contraceptives then that's fine um, but from like an education point of view they have to know that when you are giving your body a set amount of synthetic hormones every single day your reproductive system is not producing its own hormones which are naturally meant to fluctuate throughout the month it means that the hormones that are in your body are one synthetic and two not fluctuating as they should naturally Um, so if that's okay with you and like a lot of people um, take the pill and whatnot for different reasons and contraception is definitely a big one like it's definitely one of the most easiest forms of contraception for example if you are struggling with acne and the only reason you're going on the pill is to tackle the acne, um, just know that it's, it's more of a Band-Aid, it's not getting to the root cause. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of one quick overview of that. A second one is somewhere on the internet, like they say that ovulation is not necessary, it's not important, but you need ovulation, you need to ovulate essentially every month in order to produce progesterone. And progesterone is such a vital hormone for just general women's health. And so it's really important that like ovulation is actually important. Yeah. And then the last one, cycle syncing, like syncing different activities that you do, the different exercise you do, what you do in your business and whatnot. That's actually a real thing because obviously your hormones fluctuate throughout the month and different hormones do different things within your body. And for example, like estrogen, when estrogen is high, Basically it's just before ovulation and your body, even if you don't want to have a baby, your body biologically is designed to always give you the best opportunity each month to make a baby because that's how the species gets passed on. Um, And so your estrogen will peak and that's when you will actually feel more confident, like you're ready to go out and find a mate and make a baby and pass on your genes. Even if, you know, you don't need to go out and find a mate and make a baby, um, your estrogen levels are naturally higher before ovulation. Um, And so that's kind of when it's best to do the higher intensity exercise if you wish. Not everyone has to do HIIT. Um, But if you want to do something more high intensity or something that requires more confidence, maybe public speaking or something like that, if you kind of schedule that in just before ovulation, so like the week between when your period ends and then the other week after that, um, that's probably the best time in your cycle to be a go-getter
0: i think that's so important as well and like we we do that in other areas of our lives we we look at a month and think okay like this is a this is going to be quiet in terms of like social life or whatever so that's when i can do this so this that's when i can do this and then sometimes it's like people think it's so bizarre to be you know working around your cycle it's like no like it's it can you can use it as a real superpower I really, really enjoy that that discussion. So I'm going to link all of your socials and everything below so people can dive into that a little bit more. I've so enjoyed chatting with you and I can't wait to hear and see more. Thank you so much for having me, Ev. I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Real Health Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed. If you are loving the podcast, please leave a rating and review. It really supports us. If you'd like to see and hear more from us, follow at Real Health Podcast. Until the next episode, we wish you happiness and real health.